the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week. Episode 123, recorded Friday, December 27th, 2013. The end is nigh. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news, news and information. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. My name is Tim Albright. How are you? Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Happy Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa. I think it's much too late to say um, Happy uh, Hanukkah, but I'll say it just just as well. Uh, this is our fun show. <laughs> not, not that all of our shows aren't fun, but this is the one that I look forward to because this is our end of the year review, our end, our beginning of the year preview uh, for us at least uh, here at Aviation. So uh, this is where we will go around the horn, um, being two points of a horn, Don Mead and, and George Tucker, and I'll show you those, their lovely faces in a second, uh, but we'll go back and say, hey, what was really important about this year, and what's going to happen next year, so that's kind of what we're going to do this afternoon, if you'd like. First up and foremost, her name is Dawn Mead, she is the lovely and talented AV Dawn, she works for NetAV, but also is the host of our social and marketing show, AV Social, how are you ma'am? Very good, thanks, good to be here. How was your Christmas? It was fun, it was fun. So, and it's not over yet. We're, we're traveling to my family this weekend and having more Christmas. So. Oh, very good. Very good. Yes. All right. And uh, also with us is George Tucker. George is the engineering coordinator for World Stage and the left side of my brain. How are you, brother? I'm doing fine. I'm not sure if that's a good or bad thing. You're well, I'm right-handed, so that means so that there you, you go. <laughs> uh, how was your Christmas? I'm sorry. I just had technical difficulties. My apologies. That's all right. How was your uh, How was your, your Christmas? <laughs> I was good. You know, I have a six-year-old and an eight-year-old, two boys who remarkably slept past six a.m., which was a new beginning. That's a good thing. Um, but then it was the Christmas that never ends for us. Oh, yeah. My father was there the two days before. My we had a Christmas Christmas party on Sunday. We had Christmas Eve with people. Went out to dinner with people on Christmas Eve. Had Christmas morning. My parents came over. <laughs> we went to her parents. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It like was a, the Christmas that didn't stop. It's like the Christmas story, you know. Yeah. I hope you're all right with that kid. All right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so let's let's kind of backtrack here. Let's rewind. CES 2013. One of the things that we that we heard uh, that we heard in CES 2012 was the magical phrase "Dawn OLED." <laughs> but this time they they paired it with 4K, uh, which was an interesting it was an interesting strategy. I'll give them that. However, it didn't exactly pan out. Uh, was this the year that OLED, I don't know, made strides, or was it another hit and miss uh, for the for the fine folks at OLEDs? I don't think it's the year that it hit and miss. I, th I think it or is making miss, strides. Yeah. yeah, swung and miss. I, I think it is making strides. Um, this is the first year, I think, or one of the first years that you could actually go to a store and I have no idea how much, you know, price range wise, but you could actually buy an OLED TV. 
um, all the years past, what was it, 10 now, 12 now, we've mm -hmm. been waiting for, hear, hearing the rumors of OLED and, and waiting on the promise of it. All of those years, it was theoretical, or it was in a lab, or it was on a little tiny you know, com uh, camera screen or something. Now it's for real. It's not quite a roll-up screen that we can just paste on the wall yet, but it is getting there. And I think that strides were made. I do think, I mean, I, you know, I'm not one to go to CES, but I know we talked about this last year. I do think it's the year that Sony might have made a mistake. Was it was it this year that they put their crystal TV as, as you know, saying, oh, LED's dead. It's never going to happen. And here's our magic crystal thing. Um, and, and you never heard another word about it. So I think OLED is is going to happen, and it's starting to happen. Strides are, are being made, but it's not where I want it yet. Well, and what's which is on my living room wall. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's interesting is the fact that that Sony still had their 4K at, at Infocom, and gorgeous. I mean, granted, it was on a showroom floor behind behind two very giant um, gentlemen with you know um, I'm sure some sort of armament uh, underneath their coats. That would not allow you to pass the uh, the, the silk rope, uh, but it was pretty. It was pretty, and you're right. Once once they kind of said crystal display, they never said it again. Um, right. And and, and and regarding the one behind the glass and the bulletproof glass, nobody could even touch it or breathe on it or, mm -hmm. or, or blink at it. You know, there were lots of other not to downplay Sony, but there were lots of other manufacturers that had not just 4K beautiful displays that you could touch. There was at least one company on the floor at Infocom that had them available for shipping that day. If I had walked into their booth with a PO, I could have walked out with one. I mean, they had them ready to ship, which a doesn't happen in our industry. Everything's no. you know future wear, but I, I think they're <clears throat> playing around with that crystal thing. They're they're you know getting a little bit behind, and it was kind of a silly thing having the display behind glass when everyone else had for real things that you could touch and shake and and take home if yeah. you wanted to. That so. and that was a was a really neat thing, and we'll get to Infocom uh, twenty. 13 here because uh, it was a good show overall it was a good show for infocom it was a good show for for business in general uh george ces and then moving into ise one the biggest uh as of this moment in time the biggest av show in the world uh, over forty thousand attendees there uh are we getting to the point where at least in the world of like infocom and cedia and the other trade organizations where it, we're moving out of where the U.S. is the center of the universe now. Uh, and, and I say that hopefully because, you know, uh, we've said this more than once on this show and me being a big dumb American, everything's about us. We're only 300 some odd million people where there are billions in China. There are billions in India. Both of these are emerging, quickly emerging um, AV markets. Should ISE continue to grow? Um, and continue to be maybe the, the focal point for uh, for us going forward? Well, one would think, especially with the rise of China and some of the Asian countries whose technology and whose market strength is rising quickly, you would think that ISE would have some more significance, as well as the Asia shows, but ISE seems to have a director channel, at least the stuff that I've seen. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do. should it be more of a focus? I think you might see a turn to it. Again, I'm not sure this could get into politics. This could get into all the economic stuff that's happening in the EU. ISC has its own troubles. You know, the EU is still on shaky ground. The EU is still having some demonstrable friendship issues with its member states. <laughs> They're still fighting over money. They're still fighting over certain standards. They're still fighting over how much cinnamon goes into a Danish cinnamon bun, for God's sake. So, I mean, if you've read that article in one of the Economist things, they're all, you know, going after each other about things like this. If you watch Top Gear, 
for years they criticized the EU because certain cars had to look a certain way, which they thought was ugly, because the bumper was an EU standard bumper. And you see where I'm going with oh, this. Oh yeah, oh, there the, might the, be the, London still, the, the UK still uses the pound for crying out loud. Yes, well, the UK still does, but they're one of the few. That but, yeah, but that, that's still that one region. of the one of the points of contention. Yeah, 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 and you know, Germany's talking about going back to the Deutsche Mark in certain ways because they're tired of propping everybody up, so they say. Yeah. Um, although I do hate to rain on your OLED parade. Oh, go ahead. Previously. I mean, well, did you read the news in PC Magazine yesterday? PC Magazine uh, still that prints. Sony and Panasonic <laughs> part ways on OLED development. They just they partnered. Combined, they just you know, they combined earlier in the year to do stuff, and they broke apart because they were trying to reduce their costs, but they've been chasing, uh, was it Samsung and LG on yes. getting OLEDs out. Right. And uh, who knows? We'll see what happens at Infocom or some of the CES shows. Are they going to show OLED? Maybe not. I don't know. So, uh, not to rain on your parade, but it's one step backwards to the left, maybe? I'm no, not sure hang on for a second. I'm going to ask a, a little bit, because we have never we have never pulled punches about beating up on Sony on this show. <laughs> Does it matter that Sony is pulling out of OLED? Well, they partnered with Panasonic, so yes. does it matter that Panasonic also pulled uh, okay, out of this? Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's I mean, valid. they've been, and we've reported in the past, they've been having big trouble in their markets. We've yeah. seen their... Flat panel market share go down, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They lost some factories in Asia. But they see, uh, I was going to say, but that doesn't then ring any bells for me that it's going to be a problem with OLED in general. That just tells me that Panasonic is continuing to tank in flat panels and get out of flat panels and get into something else, which, I mean, our, you know, we haven't been selling any Panasonics in forever. We sell mainly Sharps, occasionally Samsungs. We, you know, I mean... They haven't really been a player in my mind, other than being Panasonic, that name we all grew up with, for quite a while. So I, I don't see it as a bad thing, I, you know. But I want my OLED, so I'm not going to be down, <laughs> well, downing OLED in any way. Yeah. What I worry about is market saturation, market you know, infiltration, that if two players are sort of pulling out of what they thought they could do to get themselves in the game mm -hmm. at a equal level, or at least par, that's right. going to be a problem for you and me as consumer because we're not going to get them. They're going to still remain a high-priced specialty item, and maybe that's a good thing for the for the integrators, and they have that little thing that they can sell for a while. But it doesn't mean for you and me who really want that is going to come to us anytime soon. Well, here's the thing: I, I think it, it I think it's a good thing for us in the long run. I don't think Don and I will be able to go to Walmart anytime in 2014 and pick up one for a decent price. However, if we look at the history of Flat panels and technology in general, we've talked about this before. 30 years ago, 20 years ago, you could walk into Best Buy, plunk down $20,000 and pick up a plasma, right? It was $20,000, though, and people did it. And they talked with their integrators, and they got these, these big, monstrous, you know, energy-sucking displays because they had to have it in their $1.5 million mansion. Fast forward 20 years, and you can go to Walmart or on Amazon and pick one up for four or 500 bucks, no problem. I don't know that it's going to take 20 years for OLED, but it's going to take these early adopters to pay the $25,000, $30,000 to Sharp and to Samsung to finance the, the R&D it's going to take to ramp up production. And once scale gets there, once the, the, this, the demand gets there and they're able to make these uh, on, a, on a larger scale, I think the price will eventually come down. I don't think it'll take 20 years, but you know, I could be wrong. Well, no, and I'm not arguing that it's going to be that long, but my argument is that we were so much closer with everybody in the game, and now with some key players, or at least two big boys out, Yeah. you know, how soon is soon. 
I don't know. When is now? <laughs> Define well, and, and I just I, I just hope, Tim, that, that all those wealthy people that can plunk all that money down for them in their living rooms, pro NFL players and, and NHL players, I'm looking at you. Uh, I hope they do so quickly because I really want one for my living room still. And since I didn't hit that Mega Millions the other day, Mm-mm. you know, we need all the help to push it to market as quickly as possible. We, we need to start a campaign for to have South McFarlane. I was looking listening back to our best of. Last week, and we we did a, a piece with uh, Ron Callis from from One Firefly, who uh, just this year back in May uh, got to help develop the IMAX home theater uh, system. Yep. Seth MacFarlane was one of the first people to to purchase this, so we'll have to start a campaign to get Stewie his own OLED. So uh, yes, and then upgrade and then upgrade a lot so that we can go take his seconds. Yes, <laughs> and then bring back Brian. <laughs> Sorry. Isn't a, Brian back? I mean, I don't even watch the show, but he's back. He's back. Yeah, yeah he's back. It's weird. So, anyhow. Uh, all right. So from ISE to uh, the, the Digital um, Expo uh, to Infocom 2013. And every accounting of this, and, and we were involved with, with the Infocom folks and, and talking with Brad Grimes the last day of the show was always interesting because he gets the, he, he doesn't get the numbers until about 3 or 4 o'clock just as, mm-hmm. as the show is, is, is ending. And we were doing uh, our, our, our wrap-up show uh, for AV Week. And he said, officially, unofficially, it's the biggest Infocom ever. And it was in Orlando. And if, you, if you've ever followed you know, trade shows and Infocom, you understand the significance of that. The fact that it was in Orlando, which typically is the, 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 the lesser attended of the two shows, being one in Vegas and, and the other one in, in Orlando. The fact that it was the biggest one period of, of all the Infocoms was significant. Uh, in addition to that, they also touted the, the increase of, of, of engagement by people, technology managers specifically, and that, that, um, that class of, of, inter, of, of end users, uh, the increase of that, it, actually the, the technology managers council meeting was the biggest council meeting that we had at Infocom 20, uh, 2013. George, talk for a minute, uh, first of all, about Infocom, uh, the wrap-up, sh- the, the, the whole wrap-up of the show, and also the significance of it being uh, the biggest one that we've had. Well, I think it shows a lot of progress, first off, for, for the economy, that the East Coast, typically not the, the high, as you said, the highest volume show, blew the doors off of everything. Uh, I think I knew a lot of people that when we were there were really there for networking wanted to see some of the new stuff, but really wanted to engage in the show in a way that they hadn't done in the past few years. Now, whether that translates to them going to the West Coast or some West Coast people came to the East Coast, I'm not sure, but I saw a lot of Europe, who, back to your ISC question, a lot of European guys coming over, uh, Germany, France, and a couple from Spain, that were there instead of going to ISE, or they were sending one or two other people to ISE, but not the whole group. Uh, so I think that speaks volumes about where the market is and what people are looking for and when. A lot of them are saying, hey, I don't want to wait till ISE to see the new stuff. I don't want to wait till ISE to talk to my rep about getting something over there or doing something. Um, so I think it bodes well for the U.S. show, at least, and the U.S. market in general. Yeah. Uh, Don, you mentioned the ability to go on on the show floor with a PO and, and purchase you know certain displays. One of the things in talking with people like Sam Malik and talking with um, Paul Harris from Aurora Multimedia, the level of business that was done on the show floor this year was astronomical uh, compared to years past where it was kind of, 
the the mid-level managers, uh, some consultants, um, you know, design uh, design engineers. But this time you had people, actual you know, purchasing um, decision makers, purchase decision makers on the show floor with actual POs giving them to people like Paul Harris and, and, and Sam. Uh, how important is it that that was, I mean, it talks back to, to George's point about the recovery and, and the economy, but how important is it the fact that, that actual business was being, was being done on the show floor? Well, I think it kind of represents a sea change in what Infocom, the show, stands for. Um, when I started in the industry, and I won't tell you how many years ago, but it's been more than, you know, enough I should be proud. Um, Infocom was, let's go get some free t-shirts, see the shows, see the shiny stuff. And it was just kind of a spectacle more. That if you, could, if you had the extra money and you wanted to go or you wanted to reward employees for a good job, hey, you can go out to Infocom and you can just mm. see all the shiny new things. Yeah. And that's all Infocom really was. I mean, there was always networking. There were always classes. But that was kind of the view of it from a lot of integrators. With you know, the, We've gone through in that time recessions and, and, and sequesters for the, those of us that work in the federal space and just you know a whole lot of things that would be the death knell of a trade show one would think, especially one that's just dedicated to spectacle. But what the folks at Infocom and what the manufacturers have done is they really t- turned it around and turned it into a valuable resource, I think, for integrators and end users alike. And so now it is the place that we go for education, and it is the place where we go to conduct business. I know when I go to Infocom now, for the most part, when I'm not doing my Infocom and AV Week related duties, um, I'm there for a specific purpose. I know I have this project coming up, and I want to see something that will solve that problem. And by being able to, it's the same thing we tell about integrators. In order to stay viable in this market, you have to solve problems. And so I solve problems for my customers. Infocom, the show, has evolved that it solves problems for me and for my customers. And I think it's fantastic. It'll last, I would say, longer than the shows that are just sheer spectacle still. Yeah. Because they, they, you know, they tend to draw in people that don't have anything to do with the business, or they come just for the spectacle. And and while it gets bigger and bigger, eventually it'll collapse under its own weight. Whereas this is Infocom, the show has become so valuable for all parts involved that I wouldn't want it to go back. But I think it's a great change. Yeah, absolutely. And talk for a second. This was your first year uh, presenting as as an instructor. Um, I was, I got an instructor badge, but I didn't really instruct. I was the MC of the technology managers, um, forum on super Tuesday. Describe that to me I mean, kind of walk me through. Cause I had a different experience than you. Cause again, I didn't present. I just, I was the, the, the ugly face that said, you know, here, this is that person. Here comes the next person. Um, but from your perspective as an instructor for a first time, how was that? A little bit petrifying <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and a little bit. Really, these people are paying to come see me teach, but um, it was fun. I, I actually had—I I was hoping that you know maybe a dozen people would sign up for my class because I heard if you have less than a dozen, they cancel it. It ended up being an almost completely booked, like full class, um, and, and it may, be, may have been the topic. It may have been the fact that I was a first-time presenter. It may have been the fact that I was totally whoring myself on Twitter and telling people, "Please <laughs> sign up for my class." But um, it, it, was, it was a lot of fun. The, the group that I had anyway, and again, this may not be true of every class, they were really engaged. They really were interested in the topic I was presenting, and they were really interested in learning. And, and several people stayed after and talked to me 
after the class and, and, and came up to me at different points throughout the show, you know, when they'd see me on the floor to ask me questions and, and, and even fo started following me on Twitter and, and responding that way. And uh, I, I thought it was great. If you can get over the whole shock that people are listening to what you have to say and the whole petrified standing in front of a group of people, um, it, it was very good. I, I enjoyed it, and I submitted not one but two proposals this year. Oh, very good. So with any luck, I'll be teaching the class I taught last year and maybe like a follow-up class. Very good. I'll, find, I'll find out when Infocom releases who got picked and who didn't. Yeah. I actually did the same thing. I, I, I submitted a class based on my experience last year because it was a lot of fun. It, it really was. Yeah. Uh, again, I didn't I didn't present. I was simply the MC for the the Super Tuesday, but it was it was a lot of fun. And and you get to meet a lot of interesting people that are interested in, in what you're talking about and interested in what you're interested in. Because if you weren't interested right. in it, you wouldn't be talking about it. So, all right. Um, Moving on down the calendar in the year. This year, Infocom did something a little different. Typically, they do something called the Infocom 100, which the lovely Don Mead uh, actually attended the last one uh, in 2012. But this year, they did something called the Executive Conference, the Infocom Executive Conference uh, in Florida, where over a, a couple of days, a bunch of, you know, a bunch of, a large number of um, AV executives got together and talked about everything from managing your employees to um, marketing to social to everything in between. Uh, and, and George, you and I had the opportunity to talk with Duffy Wilbert about this uh, about a week or so um, before they they did this, this conference. Um, the fact that they are focusing on the business part as well as the A, still, still focusing on the AV part, but mm. focusing on the business part, um, because I've heard more than one person say that a lot of AV companies are you know old sound people or old lighting people who just kind of find themselves in the middle of, of this industry somehow and one day they what they wake up behind the desk and realize that their name's on the front door and they're not quite sure how to make the business happen uh, how important is it for infocom to begin creating these resources for the business part of av you know i think it goes to what we've been speaking a lot about right now is the change in the economy speaks to that we've seen what bad bookkeeping <laughs> can do or bad management of, of finances can do and a lot of people don't want to be there again you're either going to give up or you're going to get straight it's sort of a rude lesson but i think that speaks to it that we need to be able to paradigm shifting technology to put too many metaphors into a word but the business part of it really is important it's the boring part. No one really likes putting a ledger, whether it's on a green ledger with a pen or whether it's on the, the spreadsheet on your computer, but you need to do it. You need to be able to say, I can't put all my profit in the final phase of the contract. You've got to do all these other things that, you know, that let you know you have money coming in to buy the things you need. Or it, it, and some of it sounds so simple, but the little minutiae within that can really catch you. And I think that caught a lot of people when the downturn happened. A lot of people went either belly up or had to force themselves to be merged with other companies because they just didn't have the resources and they weren't watching. And this really is an important way of saying, guys, let's get it right next time. Let's make sure we don't get there again. Yeah. Don, you work for NetAV, uh, a, a, a local uh, integrator uh, in the Baltimore, Maryland area. If a company like yours or even, you know, AVISPL, um, you know, if you guys can't make it to something like, like the Executive Conference or Infocom 100, would something like, you know, 
putting these resources online be helpful or beneficial to you? Or would you guys rather, if you had your druthers, would you rather be in person? Well, that goes to individual learning styles. Some people, okay. you know, they, they can't learn or don't do well in online classes. Other people excel at that and, and clam up in person. Um, I think the move to including business classes with Infocom and actually NSCA, which started it 15 years ago now with their business and leadership conference, their BLC that's held every February. Um, those sorts of resources are invaluable because like you said, so many people in our industry fell into it or opened their own companies because they were really great technicians or really good design engineers and said, I could do that on my own. This guy's an idiot that I'm working for. So I'm going to start my own company and it's, it, this is cake. And then they get in there and they understand, have to understand payroll and they have to understand financing and accounting and HR and marketing and advertising when, you know, there used to be just some little girl in a back office that did that. And there's all these things that they have to keep in mind and they don't have time, energy, or desire to go and get an MBA. If they had, probably they would have done that, when, you know, after college. Um, it, it's, it's, it's an important resource to keep our industry viable because of the roots of our industry and because of how so many people got into the business. Um, and, you know, I didn't get a chance to go to the executive leadership thing in Florida with Infocom this year. I was fortunate to go to the NSCA Business and Leadership Conference in 2011, I think. And I mean, I wasn't even, I, I think that was when I was between jobs. I wasn't even working at the time. And that was the most valuable thing I ever did. I actually learned as much from that weekend or four days in Dallas with NSCA than I did in like three semesters worth of my MBA courses. Wow. And in fact, I used things from that week at, with NSCA in some of my MBA courses that I ended up getting good grades on. Wow. So just incredibly valuable information that your average business person needs and they can't necessarily get while working and running a business full-time. And, and to be fair, Infocom and NSCA both, as well as some other organizations, they have started putting some of these things online or doing webinars to that effect. Um, if you look at N uh, Infocom's webinar schedule, it used to be their webinars were just, here's an AV tech thing, here's another AV tech thing. Here's another AV tech thing. Here's a preview for our Infocom show. Here's another AV tech thing. <laughs> they still do those, yeah. but they've also started including, they bring in professors from business schools in New York and other business schools around the country to talk on various topics that relate to the audiovisual business and other business in general. And they've been putting some of these webinars on that have been really beneficial, I think. And I encourage everybody listening, if you don't already listen to some of these webinars or you haven't gone to a BLC or an executive leadership conference, go to them. Even if you say, well, I already have an MBA or I already have, you know, the business experience, pay attention anyway because you can find new things, you can learn new things. Um, they, they did some fantastic intellectual property webinars with, I think those were commercial integrator who is another great resource for webinars and education yeah. uh, in collaboration with NSCA. And they were talking about intellectual property law, which affects everybody that's in business, but specifically how it relates to AV and it gets into the whole who owns the code thing and they touched on a bunch of different topics. But it, it was a fantastic resource and available online and available for free. Yeah. My MBA was not free. Just ask my bank account. So <laughs> take advantage of the free education kids where you can get it. Yeah, the uh, the those, the commercial integrator webinar actually uh, 
had one of our, our guys, uh, Steve Greenblatt, who is the host of our State of Control show. And that was that was a neat webinar. I, I attended that one myself because uh, you, you've got to, not only is it the, the code, and I'm not going to get into the whole thing again, but but yes, the intellectual property is very important, uh, not only for you, but also for your, your end user. So, uh, All right, moving on from the uh, executive conference to Cedia. Cedia was held in Denver this year. Cedia, if you don't know, uh, is the trade organization that's that's the residential side of AV. Uh, Infocom is, is more along the pro side. Cedia is the, the the residential side. There's a lot of the same things at Cedia that you that you'll see at Infocom. But one thing that you wouldn't have seen at Infocom is the head of Nest, and he 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 did the keynote this year at, at Cedia, which told me a couple of different things. Uh, if you read between the lines, first of all. Nest is not going away anytime soon. It's 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 here, uh, it's here to stay, and the, all they're going to be doing is expanding their own universe. Uh, if you don't know what Nest is, Nest is the company that gives you the one of the the slickest, smartest thermostats you'll you'll ever put in your house, uh, and here really soon it'll be the the slickest, smartest uh, smoke detector. Yes, I, I said smoke detector uh, that you'll ever put in your house. Um, Don, talk about Cedia. Talk about some of the impacts that that, uh, that the residential has on Pro and, and maybe even about Nest and, and where they're going uh, in the world of home automation. Well, you know, I've never actually been to Cedia because in my career I've not once worked for a company that's done homes. Mm. Uh, other than doing a favor for a buddy or doing our own houses with spare bits we find uh, and buy on eBay. But um, we've never really been in that market. So, you know, this is where I wish Matt Scott wasn't off gallivanting on a Christmas trip because he definitely works in that space. Oh, yeah. um, but I think the important thing to keep in mind is in generations past, and I'll, I'll use the term generations, not just years, it was always the corporate driving the home when it comes to technology. Guys would see cool things at the office or gals would see cool things at the office, say, that's awesome. I wonder if I could get that at home. And even though we had different manufacturers and different product chains, different channels, you could find similar technologies filtering down to the home. Several years ago now, particularly with the eye revolution, you know how I feel about Apple, but they've sort of, again, sea change, they've gone to home driving the office. I can't tell you how many times in the past 10 years we've heard customers say, what do you mean that's not possible in my stupid expensive boardroom? I can do that in my living room. Yeah. So I have to be able to do it here. It's like, well, you can, but using pro products and not home theater stuff, it's going to cost you more. And you have to explain the difference, you know. But I, I think that the key is the technologies that people are adapting to at home and are getting used to at home are really driving what their expectations are for professional life, for educational life, for life in general. It's changing how we as humans operate, collaborate, and communicate. And Nest in particular, I mean, you mentioned that I'd gone to the Infocom 100 2012 or 2011, whenever that was. The topic that year was integrated and smart buildings. Yep. And Nest was at the forefront of that. It's, it's you know, designed mainly for homes now, but they'll probably be getting into more. But that whole point of discussion that entire weekend was bringing thermostats and smoke detectors and alarms and AV control and lighting control and it just basically environment control under one giant heading 
that you can use your iPad or your AMX touchscreen or whatever to control and to control your environment to the point that it's almost sci-fi, but mm. it's reality now. And, and, and trying to get all these disparate systems and companies and technologies talking together. You know, I had to learn a whole new vocabulary that weekend at the 100 that I have subsequently used repeatedly in the business world. You know, manufacturers bring things in. Well, is it BACnet compatible? Yeah. If they don't even know what BACnet is, and what BACnet is, is it's a protocol for building an automation control that, you know, Johnson Controls and all those guys use. But a lot of AV companies and control companies are now starting to use BACnet compatibility. And I'm sure there are ones that have Nest compatibility. I know there are because they had Nest's, you know, mentioned on their Infocom literature and in their displays. So it's really something that as pro integrators you have to keep in mind. You have to keep that in mind. And it goes. It also ties into the growing demand for mass notification that's happened over the past couple of years. The mass notification and communication with new laws regarding intelligibility and such. You have to be able to tie your alarm systems and your smoke detectors, which Nest, you know, is now going to have a smoke detector version. Those have to be able to tie into your overall systems with your digital signage with your alerts that go out to cell phones and to computers and that sort of thing. And, you know, if nothing else, post 9-11, post different shooters, shelter-in-place messages, post bad weather yeah. alerts, especially all in the Midwest, you know, you need to have these things. You need to know about them. And I think Cedia is sort of, at this point, leading a charge that some of the other groups are catching up on. And, again, I'll say NSCA does a great job because you know, they weren't just an AV yeah. Association, they're a system, low voltage systems integrator association. They do a great job of bringing in those signal guys and those alarm guys that don't have a bloody clue about AV and bringing them in and explaining some of our concepts to them and helping us understand what they're doing so that we can tie it all under one big umbrella. Because, you know, there, soon there will be only one. <laughs> and whoever that one is, it'll control all these different silos that currently exist into a unified technology yeah there can be only one ah, <laughs> sorry uh george uh let's talk about cedia for a second and and the impact of nest and, and systems like it yeah well i mean we're i was looking up stuff like that the, this remark reminds me of what you know like revolve is doing the, the nest is at the forefront of these no longer single app you know control systems we saw a lot of those out there that says oh, I can control my lights I control my TV you had to flip between them they're getting a little more sophisticated and being able to bring to the I want to say the right word here the consumer market a viable product that now can really compete with a lot of the bigger boys nest I think from what we've been seeing them do they start talking about a little bit of lighting they start talking about like you said, the smoke detectors and everything that Dawn just mentioned has a huge impact in that they're basically to me they're acting like pinky in the brain what are we doing today pinky take over the world to take over yeah. the world right so th that's what all i see when, when i hear everything that dawn said and how, what you guys talked about which is true they're, they're a bunch of apple engineers mostly right who decided that they wanted to go on their own and had this idea for a product and you knew from the moment the nest came out and it had the following it had that for many, like the TV show, the following, a lot of these companies that compete against them saw them as some kind of serial killer they're trying to hunt down and find a way to incorporate. It, it, it really is a threat, and I think they're going to do remarkable things. 
Whether or not what that means for us, I'm not sure yet. Again, as Dawn said, knowing BACnet, tying into bigger systems, bridging that gap from residential to commercial, we'll see. I don't think the Nest still does uh, two-stage heating. I could be wrong. There could be guys who will tweet me just now and say, yes, it does, or whatever. But I haven't heard it do heat pumps and two-stage and you know alternative-sourced stuff, which a lot of these bigger houses or more sophisticated houses need. Yet. But I don't know how yet. far away they are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yet. yet. The answer is yet. <laughs> Give them time. Give them time. All right. Uh, you are listening to AV Week. That gentleman right there is George Tucker. Don Mead is also with us. Uh, is there anything, maybe one or two things that we have not touched on, uh, Don, from uh, 2013 before we uh, before we get to the uh, the prediction portion of this show? Cool things that we saw this year. Cool things. Um, cool technology movements. Something. I, you know, I. I I've been just delighted with them since June. I, I got to say again, props to Planar. Planar, am I saying it right? I always say it yes. wrong. Um, those guys actually had, for probably the first time in ever, they, they had a gorgeous, sexy, multi-touch 4K giant display on display at Infocom, and they had them finished and ready to go in their warehouse. They're the ones, they were like, if you have a PO, we can give you one right now. And it's like, Wow. Because wow. we're, we're so trained. We go to Infocom to see what we can get in six months when it's released. Yeah. Or, oh, when will that be due? F fourth quarter? Fifth quarter? Okay, sure. You know, and so uh, props to them for actually having something deliverable at Infocom. Um, sexy and deliverable because it was a gorgeous display. Um, you know, and we haven't mentioned our favorite cool thing, and it may come up under predictions too. Yeah. Our favorite cool thing from Infocom which was also a big hit at GovCom this fall. I went to GovCom a few weeks ago, and they were there, and, and people were just blown away. Uh, our friends over at Beam, oh, yes. um, our, our little virtual telepresence robots at, um, that we talked about at length with the uh, owner and founder um, back at on the Infocom shows. But the, those guys were tooling around you know, in D.C., meeting people for the government show as well, and... Um, so the, the virtual presence devices, a la the Big Bang Theory shellbot, are coming are becoming a reality. They're they're coming to pass, and they're just cool gizmos. I don't I, I can't you know, every year when you go to Infocom, when you go to GovCom, and you go to these other shows, you always find that one or two just really cool things that you just don't have a use for, but you just can't wait till the day you have a use for it. Yeah. You know. And, and there's a few manufacturers, uh, you know, I won't name all of their names, but there's a few manufacturers that I have in my back pocket that I'm just waiting to sell to somebody or, or have enough money to buy myself. And Beam is definitely one of them because those little robot guys, I'm sorry, virtual presence, virtual telepresence <laughs> guys, they're not robots. They're, they're not robots. Virtual telepresence guys um, mm. were, were very cool. So that was one of my favorite fun things of, of 2013 was was – interacting with those guys on a couple of occasions now yeah that was that was neat we uh we actually get, got to do an interview with them um around infocom and, and we got to use the the interface and it was remarkably realistic remarkably lifelike uh you almost forgot that you were controlling a, a robot because you got to turn the head and you know, turn the screen rather so uh george for you uh one or two things that we, we may have missed uh in, in talking about 2013 you know, the telepresence things was, was right on top of my list is that it, it with, with the beam, with the robot, with the other stuff, with join.me, with mm -hmm. Google Hangouts, I wonder where telepresence is going in the next year uh, and what we did not see 
Well, we saw like the Microsoft stuff being integrated to a lot of uh, systems out there, AMX, Crestron, which is touching on what they did, but with another software application. How long, I think, we haven't really talked about how long is hardware-based telepresence going to be with us? I'm not positive about that, and that's something I'm looking at next year to see where it goes. Okay. Mm. Oh, do I get a PS? Yes, sure. ma'am. Since, since George kind of reminded me, and, and my own talking about Beam reminded me, I think the biggest thing that 2013, in my view, is going to be known for is this is the year of collaboration. It might not seem that way. I mean, everyone, it's an integrator is like, well, I'm just doing my integration stuff. But I guarantee, I guarantee that if you work as an integrator, you've heard some of these words this year on bids, on specs, or from clients. Collaboration, distance learning, distance meetings, distance, mm -hmm. you know, cooperation, huddle rooms. Mm, huddle. Uh, huddle. It's in the year of the huddle. It's the, the year, year of the, of the you know, the BYOD stuff tied with the unified communication stuff has taken over the integration world. And, you know, it, Tim, for five more minutes, you're in education, the flipped classrooms <laughs> concept that, that ties in with the huddles and the bringing their own devices. All of these things are just sort of changing or going to be changing the way we work as an industry because everybody wants to collaborate and use their own stuff. And, and that, like, like George said, it's, it's going to change how we sell video conferencing. It's going to change how we sell collaboration. It's already changing the kind of equipment we spec and sell. And it's making our friends over at Vadio really, really happy with some of their new products. Oh, yeah. Like like the group station I hope to win in three days. Um, <laughs> wow, there's a plug. That's Shameless awesome. you are. Shameless. Wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> I got you on TV. <laughs> <laughs> but but seri seri in all seriousness, you know, I, I joke about wanting to win the one they're giving away on the 30th. Check Twitter if you don't already know about it. Um, but it that the product that they have is innovative in that it works with all of the soft clients. And it, it every time I've brought that little brochure, I stole one of the brochures from Kelly and from Jesse when I saw them at one of the shows. Every time I've shown that to a client, they're like thrilled. I took it with me to a show on, a, on an army base to, to talk to some of the different buyers for the military. They're thrilled. They're so excited about that product and what it means to them and the way they do business that I think it's going to be that and similar products and similar developments are where we're going to be going in the next couple of years. So well, kudos, Vadio. Oh, absolutely. It, it is. And real quickly on, on that product specifically, it gives people like – George and like Dawn and like other integrators, the opportunity to give a, a, a pro level experience while still using a soft client. Uh, and whether yeah. that soft client is Fuse or it's Link or, or what have you, even if it's Google Plus, you know, it, it still gives you the, the level, at least from the, the senders in, a, a level of professionalism that you don't get just by hooking up your little, you know, your little webcam and, and tying into your Link account. So. Uh, kudos for them, and I, I I don't hope to win it because I'm not in the running. So, but good for them, and I ho I do hope you win it, Miss Dawn. Um, oh, I will I will look so good on these podcasts yeah. if I get one of those, and you know have the full professional mm -hmm. setup in front of me. And then we'll talk to our friends over at, over at Draper and get Draper. you a, a fancy fancy uh, <laughs> fancy fancy backdrop. So yeah. uh, that that was another thing at at, at uh, Infocom. We had our our party uh, sponsored true. by a bunch of really nice people. Draper being one of them, Vadio being another. Um, and Draper had the the uh, custom background um, that you could that you could order um, to, to uh, you know, put your logo or put you know 
we could put George on a beach if we wanted, you know. Pastoral scene. Pastures, past, past you know, big, big, giant, never mind. Um, and, and they do green screen and blue screen versions, too, yes. if you just want to, you know, key in your own stuff. Yeah. So, uh, very so, slick product, again, with the unified communications mm-hmm. and everything taking over the world. Yeah. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, here's the, the 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 part of the show where we stick our necks out, and um, I won't ask you to do anything that I'm not willing to do myself. So this is this is my production. These are my. Uh, this is what 2014 is going to bring us. Uh, I've got two things for you. First of all, it is going to be the year of AVB, uh, and I say that being one who has poo pooed AVB for about a year and a half now. Uh, Let's just say that I've had some interesting revelations the last couple months. Uh, first of all, I took some classes and, and learned a little bit more about AVB and some of its capabilities. Second thing that, that's happened is Cisco is slowly but surely getting on board. Now, they are on the Avdu Alliance uh, and have been, I believe, since the very beginning. And the reason that Cisco is important is the fact that without the switches, you don't have AVB. So uh, the fact that they're getting on board is important. Uh, not for nothing, Cisco is the backbone of a lot of people's networks. Uh, they give a lot of IT guys and gals the warm fuzzies, and most uh, there's, a, there's an awful lot of IT managers who won't put anything but Cisco on their network. So the fact that Cisco is getting you know into the whole AVB uh, business, slowly but surely, uh, the fact that it's becoming more stable, they have the... the, the um, uh, testing facility at the uh, University of New Hampshire. In addition to that, there are some products coming out between now and Infocom 2014 um, that uh, are AVB specific that are very, very interesting. Uh, small form factors that are going to be able to allow people like you know me as a technology manager the ability to into, uh, integrate the, the whole AVB stream a, a lot more seamless. Uh, and I've said this for three years, and I'll say this, this again. This is also the year that Cisco buys an automation company. <laughs> so eventually I'll be right. Uh, <laughs> and, and the reason I say that is because of the whole smart building thing, and, and they've got uh, you know, they've got the networking, they've got the video conferencing with their purchase of Tamburg. It is just, it, it, just eventually they're going to purchase this. They may never. They may watch this and say, ha-ha, we'll show you. So, uh, Mr. Tucker, what is your your year of 2014 look like? Well, I did. I was going with you on AVB. I think there'll be some big breakthroughs. It won't be just Dante. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully and thankfully. I mean, not, nothing against Dante and the fine folks at Yamaha. Um, but AVB will make a breakthrough, I think, in a lot of products, and you'll start to see it as the must-have. Yeah. Maybe not this Infocom, but by it'll everybody will be talking about it for the next. Um, the other one is a sad one. I think we are in big trouble in the RF spectrum. Oh yeah. I think white spaces are going to be a big issue uh, from Zigbee and everything else. Although that'll be probably lesser involved because of its proximity power settings. <laughs> but for the pro AV world who do wireless mics or wireless intercom communications or anything like that in an area that is even slightly urban or suburban, <laughs> the white space issue and the FCC's inability to get their act together. Uh, is going to be a major problem. So you're saying that if I'm doing a show in uh, in Iowa, I'll be fine. Parts of Iowa. <laughs> Parts of Iowa. Nice. Maybe, the Maybe Alaska. Maybe Alaska. Yeah. yeah. You know, but uh, yeah, that that's my big thing. It's you know, we we can rely on it so much. 
in the pro world, in the pro event space. Um, I'm not confident from what I've been reading that anything's going to happen of any anything that will make us happy. No, I, I agree with you. Whether it's they're going to pat us on the head and go, "Nice, nice. that's really nice," yeah. but no. Well, and what's interesting <laughs> is is you have two of the biggest wireless microphone manufacturers, Sure and, and Sennheiser, both lobbying from two different sides. Uh, mm-hmm. Sure is using. Um, their local church is based up in Chicago, uh, about you know four or five hours north of me, which is why I'm doing that for some stupid reason. Um, they're using some of their Congress people from from around their area. Sennheiser is lobbying the FCC, saying, "Hey, you need to give these people some kickbacks." You know, the people who own the the, the frequency you're trying to kick out, uh, and the government's saying, "Yeah, that's nice. Thank you very much. Have a nice day." So, yeah, uh, aren't you cute? Aren't you cute? <laughs> you, you, you're you're how many millions, billions of dollars? Only one. Yeah. One billion? Oh, forget you. So, yeah. Uh, all right, Miss Dawn, here it is. Roll it up. We got 2014 in a less than a week now. What are we going to see? Well, it, first, first I want to touch on that white space mm-hmm. thing because I've been blogging about – I think one of my very first blogs when I started the whole AV Dawn thing was on the white space issue. And if you dig back through the archives of my now woefully need of an update website, you will find all kinds of articles on it. And we haven't gotten anywhere. Mm. And you're dead right. You know, it's, oh, you're only a billion-dollar industry. Who cares? You know what? Tell the FCC that when they go to see a Broadway play and you can't hear them. Tell the FCC that when you go to the Super Bowl and nobody knows what's being said. Mm -hmm. Tell the FCC that when broadcast TV doesn't work, when when movies can't be made because the microphones don't work. Tell them that when Fortune 500, Fortune 100, Fortune 10 companies – can't have a meeting because nobody can hear them. You, you know, the, it, they take it for granted. I, I've said this about our entire AV industry. We've been, you know, we're a 70, 70 plus year industry. Yeah, you know, technically we've been an industry since Edison created us. You know, and and as an industry, you know, we we touch on so many things. People don't recognize us as an industry. And they don't get that we're separate. But if you woke up tomorrow and there were no wireless mics, you woke up tomorrow, there were no monitors, no TVs, no, no, you know, anything audio or visual, we'd be practically living in caves. I mean, come on, it's 2013, for God's sakes. Come so, on, young Missy, wires and hand signals were good enough for your grandfather. Yeah, you know, here, here's Wuthering Heights by Semaphore Flag. I mean, you know, <laughs> like, that that's our entertainment if we, if we get rid of AV. People don't realize, yeah, we may be a tiny industry, you may just be learning about us, but we are so, so entrenched in American and world these days life that if you got rid of us or if you screw us up, FCC, I'm looking at you, it's going to be disastrous. And then all of a sudden people will pay attention and be like, oh, those people yelling at us for 10 years now about the white space thing. Maybe we should have listened to them. Oh, our bad. <laughs> you know. Sorry. Yeah. No, they're going to be like count the money and they're just going to be rolling their fingers over the dollar bills. <laughs> Right. But yeah, so I, I think that, that, that those sorts of things, you know, we predict things each year at the end of the year for the following year. But some of these things are predictions we've been making for a decade now. Yeah. OLED, white space problems coming because the FCC can't get their act together. You, you know, so many things, it, it, it just, they are all coming. It is inevitable, a lot of them that we predict, but just each year we each inch closer, inch closer to doom and, and then by the end of the day, we all feel like Cassandra yelling on the cliffs that, that doom is coming and nobody listened. 
What a great show we have here. We're like citing, you know, the mythology. The end is and... <laughs> near. The end is near. Exactly. Nigh. It is nigh. The end is nigh. Yes. Come on, I'm yeah. going to do it. Do it right. <laughs> so, yeah, I agree with George. <laughs> Keep an eye on that white space thing because it's been bugging me for a decade now. Um, my, my predictions for 2014, you know, I, we're going to see a lot more mass notification stuff coming in the door especially in light of some of the laws that were passed regarding intelligibility, the ADA. I mean, I'm near D.C. We have a lot of federal clients, so we hear about all these laws that are going to infect, uh, infect us, affect us. Or it it is us. D.C. It'll probably infect you, too. <laughs> but, I, you know, we hear about them, like, pretty darn quick. And, and intelligibility and alarms and systems, that's a big one. Tying in your digital signage to alerts is a big one. The whole integrated building stuff is coming. If it's not already here, it is coming. It might not be 2014. It might be 2015, 2020. Keep, you know, if, if you don't learn this stuff, you're going to be behind as an integrator. Um, another thing that, that, that is big that's coming down the pike is um, a lot more, and I said it with my re recap, is, is the unification, unified communication stuff, the, the video teleconferencing, whether it's a hard Cisco box, Polycom box, life-size box, or whether it's one of the umpteen soft clients or whether you're using blue jeans or somebody like that and tying them all together for an ecumenical experience we're going to be seeing a lot more of that if for no other reason than the one law that's currently before congress to uh, and i can't remember the exact name of it but it's basically a law that's been passed to try to restrict or cut back government travel yeah with the availability of free and or cheap audio and video conferencing and web chat, there's actually a law before Congress to, to cut back on almost all unnecessary, all unnecessary and almost all necessary uh, travel within the federal government. Federal government is really big. There is a whole lot of federal government. I know my company has a very tiny, small part of it, and we do okay, but federal government's massive. And if they're cutting back on their travel and starting to rely on Vadio group and huddle stations, Cisco C60s or C40s, Polycom, you know, whatever you have, everybody stands to make a lot of money in that space if for no other reason than if this law passes and the federal government, for reals, quit spending our money on airfare tickets. Um, but e even without the government law that, that, is, in, that is pending, th that whole space with communication, the unified communication is just growing immensely. And if you walked through the UCC pavilion at Infocom this past year, and every year it's grown a little bit, yep. all these companies coming out of the blue that you never heard of, all little five-by-fives in the back of the room that used to be inventing cool boxes to take on Extron, they're now inventing cool soft clients to take on Skype, to take on Link, to take on whoever. And, and that's really where we're going to be. There's, there's going to be a whole lot of that. Um, I think my biggest sort of grim or down, you know, bummer kind of prediction for the year it is something that's true throughout history, but I think especially coming into 2014, because I'm seeing it in my own company and companies in my region specifically, and that's, we might see a pretty big turnover of a lot of the old standby guys in, in the industry. You know, they say, once you join the AV industry, you never get out, you just change jobs. It's yeah. a very incestuous industry. And, and you do, you job hop within the industry. But I think a lot of the older guys, not necessarily the engineers, but a lot of the salespeople may be having some problems because unless they're willing to adapt and continue education and continue learning, 
the new mode of things, the idea of a soft client, the idea of selling services, the whole, you know, post-convergence AV world, they're not going to be able to survive. And and speaking for, as a small integrator that deals with a lot of other small integrators as, as friendly rivals, we're seeing more and more guys that can't get out of the I'm selling a projector in a screen mode. Yeah. And, you know, bless them, they've got decades in the industry, they know their stuff, they know they're great audio guys or they're great video guys, but you also need to be great technology guys. You have to be great communications guys. And, and you have to understand the problem solving aspect of what we do as opposed to the, here's the latest projector, here's a new flat panel, here's a box. And, and so I, I think in 2014, if nothing else, it's more of warning if you're a salesperson or even an engineer that's been around for a while, get some of that free InfoCom and NSCA and commercial integrator education and start rethinking your processes because you may be processed out from whoever you're working for or your whole company may process out if you don't. Absolutely. We talked with uh, Randy Klein from Crestron a couple of years ago, and that's one thing that was interesting about that conversation is he said, I'm not in the AV industry. I'm in the technology industry. Yep. Uh, and that, that's kind of stuck with me. So, All you right. Know, yes, go ahead. I just wanted to say, because what Don said was striking me, are we looking at this year or the next year being the year when company dedication, meaning from our side or fandom, becomes a more fatuous thing? We're talking about soft companies that change daily or weekly or merge into others and we're an industry based on loyalty mm -hmm. running with one system keeping with one system and it almost sounds what like Don is describing is the dawn of a new age where it doesn't matter and we sort of go with what's there now and if you keep us happy we'll stay with you but if you don't we're gonna flip to somebody else almost immediately and it won't matter to what we just installed well Ahead, I was saying, if I can address that, yeah. if if you think about it, that's kind of what I'm warning against. Mm -hmm. If you're a company that has your customers so loyal to you, and and you know, thankfully, my little company's been around so long because we have some very loyal cu customers that refer us and keep using us. But the key is, you know, as an integrator, then, and I've got these loyal customers, I have to be aware of what's going on technology-wise to advise them. Yeah. My job is not just to sell them yet another mm -hmm. Polycom box or yet another Crestron box. My job is to know what they need yep. out of their system and then provide a solution that'll work for that. And that's one of the reasons why I love companies like Blue Jeans and things like this Vadio uh, huddle station or group station that's come out is because they allow me to go into my customers that trust me, that rely on my advice, and that we've had spend a whole lot of money with us over the years and say, we're not telling you all this money's wasted because you can still use it all and it's still great product. But what I'm going to add to your system will allow you to get more use out of that, will allow you to solve modern problems. It'll give you something that's a little more future proof so that if in five minutes, five years, 15 years, you change from completely being a link based communication system or completely being a, a is it Jabber or some of the other ones that yeah. people standardize on. If, if something new comes down the pike and you want to change to it, I'm going to sell you something that can upgrade with it. And then, the, the, you know, we're, we, we want to make money, but we don't want to do it at the loss of the customer. Absolutely. Because if, you know, you, you make one sale for a lot of money and they don't trust you, that you made one sale. But if you make one sale for a little less money and they trust you, you've sold years to come. 
So I, I think that that's what we have to be aware of what's coming as integrators and as people in the industry to advise our customers so that they can be more future-proof. Then when the soft clients go away and evolve and change every five minutes, they're still loyal to their technology advisors, which is us, hopefully. Mm -hmm. And they will keep coming back to us and, you know, that again, educate yourself, kids, know what's coming so that you don't get caught with your pants down and you know it, you're able to advise your customers intelligently. No, good words, good words. And actually, that, that, that'll be a good, a good place to stop. Uh, thank you so much for, for watching and for listening to AV Week. That fine person right there, her name is AV Dawn. She works for NetAV, uh, Dawn Mead, um, and she also is the host of our, our, our uh, AV uh, social and marketing show. Where can people find you, ma'am? Well, you can find me on Twitter, at AV Dawn. I am available online. My company website is net-av.com. I have a blog that is currently covered in dust because I'm redoing it entirely, hopefully by the beginning of the year, and that's avdawn.com. And, you know, just ask around at AV things. I'm usually there. Yeah. Uh, also with us is George Tucker, the engineering coordinator for World Stage, uh, and also uh, an important member here. Uh, where can people find you, sir? I am at Tucker Twos. If it's social media, that's where I am. You can see me on uh, Commercial Integrator, Tech Decisions Magazine, Red Band, and an occasional guest at ISES, the podcast about staging. Wow. You're busy. Yeah. I'm a popular boy. You are very popular. <laughs> Much more popular than I am. Jeez. You get all the cool gigs. Well, yeah. You are pretty. <laughs> you are much prettier than I am, just for the record. Uh, it's not saying much here, you know. Well, I know that. <laughs> I wasn't going to comment on that. I just, you, you are prettier than I am. So, uh, don't follow me. Girl. Huh? I was going to say, girls, you're both pretty. Let's oh, go. thank oh. you. That's very nice. If I catch you in the same frock. <laughs> just, for the rec just for the record, George, that was our Christmas present from Don. <laughs> <laughs> that compliment right there. Uh, or lie. Uh, don't go, don't follow me. Go by the website if you would, please. Avnation.tv. Avnation.tv. It's also covered in dust, but that's because they're, they're changing it and rearranging it. Um, so, uh, so yeah, give, uh, give Matt Scott a shout out for the good work he's done and, and some trouble for the not so good work he's done. But, uh, but no, he's a good guy. He's the one who does our website. Uh, you'll find this show as well as the AV social, the, uh, social, uh, marketing, uh, podcast we do DIY live life uh, social uh, the uh, uh, state of control our control and automation show ed tech and a host of others so go by the website if you would please avnation.tv avnation.tv Thank happy so, new year happy new year i've already i've already started drinking uh thanks so much for listening that's all the time we have for av week 